I'm John Moe, and this is one of our first episodes of Home Dunk. We hope you like it. Please be sure to share your thoughts online at infiniteguest.org. Your thoughts about the show, I mean, and my show and some other shows. Don't just share your thoughts about anything, because we don't want an internet like that. I hit a home dunk. I wish that you would show up. I played over my head, everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. Did a handstand and hit a grand slam. It was a great day for the fans, man. I got three sacks and broke three bats. I gave the crowd money plus free snacks. I did a hat trick and a backflip. It's on ESPN Classic. And you weren't there, and it hurt me to watch them retire my jersey. I hit a home dunk. That's right. Hit a home dunk. Smashed the goal over the net. That's Open Mike Eagle doing our theme song here on Home Dunk. I'm John Moe. Welcome to this. Uh, I, we're supposed to call them podcasts, right? And I, I just don't know. I don't buy it anymore. I don't buy the term podcast. I'm out. I fold on the term podcast, ladies and gentlemen, because I think it is antiquated. Because do you even own an iPod? Do you even own an iPod that you use consistently? I don't. I, I think I have some around the house somewhere. But come on. We're listening on our phones. We're listening on our computers. We're listening a lot of places. Maybe not on an iPod. Plus the whole pun of a podcast instead of broadcast. I, I just I think the joke's been told. You know, once you've told a joke a few times then uh, it's not funny anymore. So this is just a show. Maybe this is just a thing. This is just home dunk. And we're going to talk about sports like we do on this thing, on this home dunk of maybe maybe there's no uh, pronouns for it at all. Maybe it's just home dunk here on the home dunk called home dunk. Uh, it is August. And uh, boy, there's, there's a lot going on right now in terms of... Um, in terms of what's happening in the NFL that uh, I, I find upsetting. I think a lot of people find the NFL upsetting. And I think we find it most upsetting when it reminds us why it's upsetting, when it reminds us that it is an industry and uh, that's built entirely on savagery and violence. And we know this. We This is why we tune in. You know, we thrill to those tackles and we... We get very excited to see the, the, the hard-hitting action and knowing also, however, that uh, there's a huge problem of long-term brain damage for a lot of people who've played in the NFL. And, uh, and that in a culture such as the NFL that glorifies violence, uh, when we see violence in the right way, we get excited. And when we see it off the field in some other settings— we get upset, and uh, it just it sort of feels like the whole big thing to me that uh, that we can hate what Ray Rice did, and then we can also get really excited to watch football. It just it seems wrong to me to to do that, and yet that's exactly what I do. the The suspension that Ray Rice got for two games for beating the crap out of his fiance is disgusting to me. It's just disgusting. And yet I'm going to tune in for the football games this season. And I'm going to watch and cheer for Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman of the Seahawks to to hit guys uh, on the field. And it's not the same thing as beating up a woman in an elevator off the field. I recognize that, but it's still violence and we're still cheering on violence and it's still troubling to me. The NFL is the LPMC, the League of Personal Moral Crisis, because I support I support this systemic maiming of human beings. I watch it. I tune in. You know, I, I soak up the advertisements that are, are sent through the television to get me to, to watch those things. And I paid for merchandise. When the Seahawks, which are my team, won the Super Bowl, I bought the swag. I paid money for the swag. I... 
I sent money into the system. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to flip the channel on with the remote between the different games on Sunday when you have blood all over your hands. But, you know, you find a way. I guess you wipe it on that new Seahawks hoodie that you bought. And then you just try to sleep at night. And good luck with that. So, uh, anyway... <laughs> It is August, and uh, it's training camp season in the NFL, and it's also trade season in baseball, as, as well as being sort of the tail end of the, the major part of the NBA free agent time of year. And so I really enjoy August because I love transactions. It's one of my favorite things in sports is reading the newspaper. We used to have a thing called a newspaper, children, and there was... You'd open it up, and there was a little section of transactions, and you'd see uh, which athletes got cut loose from a team, traded to another team, signed to a team. And I just love the idea of that. I, I think it's because I lived in, in mostly one city my entire life until a few years ago. But the idea that, okay, something happened, and now this, whole pers- this person's whole life is going to change. It's the same with the drafts, the NBA draft and the NFL draft. Like a decision is made by somebody and then that means a a different person needs to get on an airplane and have a new place to live and see different things on their way to work and just everything is going to change. And I guess it feels like a potential renewal. It feels like, oh, somebody's life just changed. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe there's just some, some hope built into it. I remember uh, when Jeff Samarja from the Cubs got traded to the Oakland A's not too long ago. Uh, he was asking his teammates there, well, w- what's, what's the standard attire? What are we expected to wear on the road when we travel? What kind of, you know, is it a suit? Is it something? They're like, oh, no, it's the Oakland A's. We don't do anything like that. You could just, you know, just wear what you wear, grow as much facial hair as you want, and, and it's cool. We're casual. And I thought, okay, that must, that's just a change for that guy's life. John Lester just got traded from the Red Sox over to the A's, and his life became different, where Ioannis Cespedes uh, got traded, the home run derby champion, two years running, got traded from the A's to the Red Sox, and now suddenly his life becomes different. Now he's got to cheer for the Red Sox when he's probably never done that before, and he's got to play at Fenway, and the green monster factors into his world, and and I just find it fascinating, and I and I find it full of hope. I think I look for the the hope in it, but I I look for the inherent drama in it too. And maybe there's a little more drama when it comes to the NFL, because that's when you have however many guys in training camp for each team now. Well, it's a lot, (laughs) well well over 75. And on the 27th of August, teams need to cut down to 75 players. And then four days later, from 75 to 53 players. So there's a whole lot of guys out there who uh, are living this dream of playing in the NFL, a thing that I support with my blood money. And uh, then they will just have it stop. It'll just stop. Coach needs to see you bring your playbook, and then it's done. And maybe they get picked up by another team. Maybe they get put on a practice squad. Or maybe they just have to go get a job like anybody else. And I'm always, especially if it's a team I follow or some players that I follow or players from a college team that I follow, I'm always a little crestfallen when they don't quite make it. When they when they come close or they're part of that last cut or, or even when they showed up for camp thinking it's long odds, but maybe I'm going to make it. And then they just don't. And. Ultimately, when you think about it, when you're sad for those players that don't make a team, you're sad for them becoming you because I didn't get drafted by a pro sports team. I never was in training camp with an NFL team. I never uh, was part of any training program for an NBA team. I'm a terrible athlete. And so what that meant was when, when it was all said and done, I just had to find my way into a job. I just had to work some crap jobs for a while and try to build up and try to get some better jobs. And then that's what these people have to do. But it's so sad when they do it. And I wonder if it's a form of self-loathing. Self-loathing is the theme today on Home Dunk, ladies and gentlemen. Loathing oneself for following the NFL or uh, loathing oneself for being sad when NFL players become 
us. I mean, there's some great and there's some great stories out there too. It's this guy Jawan Harley, who is a defensive back, and he's in camp with the Buffalo Bills, and he showed up for camp with a bank account of seventy one cents. He had seventy one cents to his name. Uh, he had played, I think, at Florida State, and then it didn't work out, and he transferred to Middle Tennessee State. And uh, he was a good athlete, but uh, one thing led to another. I'm still a little unclear on that. He didn't get drafted. He's working at Walmart, and uh, he's emailing all these teams all over the country. I read about this on Yahoo Sports. Emails teams all over the country just hoping to get a nibble on something and unexpectedly gets a call from the Buffalo Bills saying, yeah, why don't you come on up to training camp? We'll put you on a training camp contract, and... uh, We'll see what you got. And will Jawan Harley make the team or will he just go right on back uh, to Walmart? We just don't know. And uh, so it's a, it's a fun time to follow sports. And uh, then, of course, the the exhibition games, too, where people uh, exhibit crashing into one another. I hate myself for following the NFL. Boy, I can't wait for the season to start. Man, I hate myself. Ooh, go Seahawks. Oh, blood on my hands. Thus, we remain. So on our show today, we're going to talk to David Koechner. You know him as Champ Kind from the Anchorman movies. We're going to talk to him about the Kansas City Chiefs, get a little preview about the team that he follows. He doesn't appear to be in as much crisis as I am. David Koechner is more at peace with himself. Uh, We're going to talk to Dave Hill. It's a big week for Dave's. We're going to talk to Dave Hill, uh, a comedian and writer, and we're going to talk to him about his hometown of Cleveland, where there is suddenly hope in the form of the return of LeBron James and, and uh, Johnny Manziel in football. And we're going to find out how Cleveland is dealing with this new thing called hope and uh, what Dave thinks about uh, his city in that regard. We're also going to have round one of our Tournament of Names. All 32 NFL teams in a single elimination tournament where the thing that they're named after battles the thing that another team is named after to the death in a theoretical improvisational discussion uh, and we determine who will be the ultimate uh, the the team left standing name wise in the NFL hint I don't think it's going to be the Cardinals I just I just don't like their chances I hit a home dunk this is home dunk And we are looking ahead to the NFL season. We're trying to talk to some people who care very passionately about their teams. And one of them is David Koechner. You know him as an actor, a comedian, champ kind from Anchorman, Dutch from Wits. David Koechner, thanks for being with us. <laughs> Dutch from Wits, I love it. <laughs> it's 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 well a well known part in my heart anyway. I love it. I love it. Kansas yeah, City Chiefs. Yes. Uh, tell me about, uh, when did your fandom for the Kansas city chiefs start? Uh, as a child, um, I had cousins that lived, I'm from a small town in Missouri, central Missouri. And as a kid, my cousins lived very near Kansas city. So that's how I first came to know them. And I remember, you know, as a kid having a, a poster of Willie Lanier, uh, in my, in my room, so uh, I became a, a fan back then, and I remember watching uh, what at then was the longest game in NFL history. It was the Chiefs versus the Dolphins in my grandmother's living room with my cousins. We ultimately lost that game, but uh, maybe it started then. Yeah, and now I, I was just watching a video online of like you at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City kind of leading the whole experience for the crowd, beating on a big war drum and, and – uh your fandom has gone a long way. Well, that was that was one of those things that you never even think of, you know, having the opportunity to get down on the field uh-huh. and meet players and stuff like that. That's one of the beauty of show business. You get to do other things in show business like that. They'd asked me to bang the opening war drum, the Chiefs war drum, last year for the, the season home opener. Wow. So my wife and I flew out and uh, got to do that and then sit with the uh, in the owner's box. It was really really special and unique and they they gave my gave us tickets for our family and uh it was very sweet that we got to hang out with the, the, some of the players afterward uh it was nice and uh, through the through this charity called the big slick that rob riggle uh jason sudeikis and uh paul rudd started 
a couple of years ago, I struck up a friendship with the kicker, Dustin Colquitt, ah. who uh, is a wonderful, amazing guy, not only the best kicker in the NFL, but uh, a solid human being. He's uh, He's got five kids like I do, so we've got that in common. But we enjoy each other's company, and he's a, he's a great dude. All right. Um, so when you live in Los Angeles, like how closely do you monitor the Chiefs? Are, are you watching every single game by satellite? Are you pouring over stats or what? Uh, I don't pour over stats as much. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to do that more and more just to get my boys into it because uh-huh. I think that's, that's a thing that will hook you in. It's one thing that, you know, uh, these days, you, you know, a, a, team, a player used to stay with the team his entire um, career. Or, or most of it, and now that doesn't happen at all anymore. So the more you can hook, I think, like your kids into things like stats, then they'll stay with a player and, and know a little bit more about a game in depth that way. Um, try to do it with baseball. That's such a big task because there's so many games. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I try to watch as many games as I can. I always buy the package, but like that, we do have five kids, so I end up, more often than not, uh, just DVRing it and you know running through it. But my wife is from Kansas City, so oftentimes if the Chiefs are on, I will get uh, you know that three hours right to, uninterrupted uh, sit and yeah. watch the game, which nice. is a precious precious thing. <laughs> um, how are you? The, I mean, you talk about being a kid growing up watching the Chiefs. Uh, how do you see them differently, or, or how is the fan experience different for you now than it was then? Um, well, as a grown up. Uh, you realize what it takes. Uh, the game has changed uh, immensely since when I was a kid. Uh, certainly, it's you know it's more of a passing game now than it ever has been, right? I yeah. think. Um, so I guess that's the main difference. Um, but how do I? But are you more emotional yeah. about it? Like, are you, I mean, I remember when I was a kid watching football and. My Monday would my mood would be determined whether my team had had won or oh, lost. Yeah. I mean, That's how much do you live and die no, with them I today? Mean, of course, you want them to win. A couple of years ago, we had a two and uh, two and in sixteen season, I think. Right? It was it was terrible. Yeah, uh, it was really bad. And then we came roaring back the next year, which was fantastic. So when that's going on, it, it's just. You know, it's hard to watch. Uh, but, yeah, I get wrapped up in the game, but it doesn't kill my week. I'm not I'm not that insane. Okay. Well, let me no, add. No, no tattoos. No tattoos, not yet. Um, so the last time the Kansas City Chiefs won it all was in 1969. And mm-hmm. you, you were how old in 1969? I was seven years old. Seven years old. Do you remember when they won? Uh, I have vague memories of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, you know. Subsequently, that's the the stuff you're going to see most often is you know Hank Stram rallying from the sideline. Yeah, because that's that's the one thing we have to hold on to. <laughs> well, that that leads to my next question. It's been a it's been a rough bunch of years since then. It's been a it's been a 45 years without any kind of championship. David Keckner, how do you stay a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs when they don't give you Super Bowl wins? Well, that's tough when you put a number to it. Sorry. 45 years. That's, 45 you don't even think. I mean, because it, it happened in my lifetime. You don't think like it's been right. a century. <laughs> but it's been nearly a half a century. Yeah. That's yeah. remarkable. I know. Well, we've, got, we've gotten close. We had a great season last year, and we've gone to the playoffs. Uh, I don't know how many times. We've always, you know, we've always been competitive. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's not like we've been the bottom of the of the league every year or anything like that. Uh, so we've always been competitive, uh, made the playoffs many times throughout my life. So that's enough to keep it going. I mean, you know, the tough thing this year we we missed going to the the uh, the you know the conference championship by two points. We had twenty eight points at the half and lost to Indianapolis. And then, you know, uh, 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 Denver ultimately goes, and then they kind of take a dirt in the uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So there's and always, there's and always some hope for you. they the division again, and you're kind of like, come on. And I, 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 everyone thinks so, but I, I don't know how many changes Denver made in the offseason. But I think Seattle showed the way this year that everyone's got to be lean and mean and being able to move, you know, speed. It's all about speed and speed kills. I, I've been reading up a lot of the defensive linemen are all about changing their bodies. So, you know, you get lean, mean, and you don't have as much body fat, and they're 
trying to use different uh, defenses schematics, uh, you know, a lot more just two down linemen because it's all up in the air these days. Yeah, it used to be fat guys on the D-line, and now it's yeah. these uh, kind of rangy guys, kind of yes. sinewy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, how do you like the team's chances? They, they were 11-5 and five last year, and, and as yeah. you said, they got into the playoffs. But uh, what, do you th- what do you think of the team going into this year? Well, I'm hopeful. Andy Reid has clearly got uh, the goods. And I mean, in one year, he made an amazing turnaround. And I talked to one or two of the players, and they said he brought in, I think, 21 or 24 new coaches, which made all the difference. So the culture there has changed. And I, I, my guess is we're just going to have improvement. The tough thing is you're, you still got to go through Denver, ultimately, to win the conference championship. But, you know, Forget the division. I mean, obviously, you got to do the same thing. And then you've got Phillip Rivers there in San Diego, who's always outstanding. Uh, I think the Raiders have made some improvements. So it's a tough – I think it's a tough division this year. Um, let me um, – I've got some, some names from Kansas City Chiefs history here, and I just want to right. bounce them off you. Tell me, uh, tell me what comes to mind when I say these names. You ready? Yes. Len Dawson. Len Dawson, of course, the captain of the, uh, of the Super Bowl there. Uh, I guess would be considered the Chiefs' greatest quarterback. Christian Okoye. Oh, the Nigerian nightmare. Uh, loved watching him during his playing days. You know the thing about the Chiefs, they've always had great running backs. Year after year, no matter how crappy the team may have been, or let's say if, when fortune didn't shine, they still had amazing running backs. Remember the, the era of Priest Holmes, sure. and even a couple of years ago with Johnson. I mean, we're, we're, he was still one of the top-rated uh, halfbacks in the league. Well, let me give let me give you one more, Joe Montana. Uh, well, Joe, I think it was clear that uh, um, uh, San Francisco was going to go with uh, Steve Young, and I don't know if I can't remember the details of that. If they didn't re-sign him, or he was a free agent, and he just went ahead and went to the Chiefs. Did he play two or three years? Uh, we got close, but the great Joe Montana uh, was in Kansas City for, was it two or three years? I think it's two years, yeah. Looks like two, two years. years. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, you know, we have Joe Montana and Marcus Allen. That's a good combination. Uh, what was that like? Course, what was that like when it, Joe Montana, who's so identified with another team, the 49ers, comes to your team? Were you able to cheer for him just as much as if he had always been one of your guys? Well, of course. There's always new hope. Renewed hope. Like, of course, you come to the Chiefs because he wants to win. That's what you got to think. <laughs> like any team, you had to convince yourself that it's the best move, even though he's in the twilight of his career. You think maybe you got one more in you. Yeah. In your mind, is Champ Kind a Kansas City Chiefs fan, or is he an impartial journalist uh, who covers all the teams equally? Well, he's not a journalist at oh, all. Okay, um, fair enough. What, fair enough. What, what I told Adam McCann, I were talking, we think that. Uh, watched Anchorman 2, we don't think that Champ knows anything about sports. <laughs> just, he just reads what's in front of him, and he and his pals got jobs and held on to them somehow. And if you remember from the movie, if we take that story, uh, you know, Ed Harkin goes out to fire Champ because he says, you don't know anything about sports. And then Champ proves it by saying, why don't we go watch the Mexicans uh, hit? Let's go out to a baseball game and watch the Mexicans hit some touchdowns. <laughs> uh, and he hates soccer, so it's the world's most popular sport. I don't. He's certainly not a journalist. I don't even know if he can write. He might be illiterate. <laughs> he might be illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be something uh, going on with Champ. Yeah. Well, David Keckner, uh, give me a give me a prediction. Eleven and five last year for the Chiefs. What do you say for this year? Eleven and five. Let's see. Fourteen and two. Fourteen and two. Super Bowl. Yes. Winning the Super Bowl. Yes. Way to go, go Chiefs! Beating beating Seattle in the Super Bowl. <laughs> As a lifelong Seahawks fan, I'll be watching that one carefully. Are what? you really? Oh yeah, I'm from Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll get together I, I, for that one. We'll have, a beer. we'll have a beer for that game. David Keckner, thanks so much. Thank you, Johnny. Take care.
Lately, there has been a lot of optimism coming out of Cleveland, Ohio. And that's a sentence a lot of people don't get to say. If you follow sports closely, if you follow society closely, optimism, hope, and Cleveland don't appear in the the same sentences all that often. But now LeBron James is coming back to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Johnny Manziel is playing for the Browns. Even the Cleveland Indians are not doing so bad. And suddenly everyone's talking about Cleveland and having smiles on their faces doing it. This seems strange to me. So I wanted to check in with a friend who knows a lot about Cleveland, a Cleveland native writer, comedian, rock musician. Dave Hill is with us. Hi, Dave. Hey, John. Uh, Tell me about Cleveland. I've never been, um, but it's it strikes me as a place that uh, that sort of expects things to not go well in general as a city. Yeah, I mean it's you know don't get me wrong. Cleveland is in my mind the Paris of northeastern Ohio. Sure, but it's a very gray place. Yeah, the weather is pretty much. Sort of like London without all the stuff. Uh, London without the museums and history and things. Yeah, yeah, just kind of overcast about three hundred days a year, and just it's a very easy place to have a you know glass half, half empty sort of outlook. As wonderful as uh, of a place as it is. But. <laughs> okay, so you've got this depressing weather. You've got this sort of pessimistic outlook. You've got a, a downtown that's kind of struggling. So then the question is, will the returned LeBron and the Johnny Manziel, will the this infusion of new energy, LeBron all energized from his time in South Florida, got some sunshine in him, will that revitalize Cleveland or will Cleveland drag these people down to earth again and destroy them? You know, part of me hopes for both. But, uh... <laughs> well, the rule... No, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm hoping, you know, what I, but the thing with Clevelanders is they have, to, they have to realize the magic comes from within. Oh. You know, we don't need LeBron or this, this Johnny fella you speak of. <laughs> but uh, I think... If that's what gets people, you know, sometimes you need a little something to, you know, you need a Prozac or something to get you back on track. And then then once you take the training wheels off, you're, uh, you're flying high on your own. Boy, there, so, was, uh, there was a I lot of metaphors. Lot, yeah, I crammed a lot of <laughs> metaphors, disjointed metaphors. Yeah, that. you're taking antidepressants and riding a bike with training wheels and then somehow you're flying. I know. But how great is that? <laughs> that kind of thing rarely happens in Cleveland. Yeah, if anywhere. I mean, so I'm I'm hoping, you know, I mean, when LeBron left, he was really the only guy holding downtown. I mean, you know, I'm being pretty broad, bold generalization. That's here, fine. It's I, a podcast. Know, yeah, but why not? He was, you know, he was the only one holding downtown Cleveland together. Do you think he'll be um, re-embraced in Cleveland, knowing what you I, do about Cleveland, knowing what you know about Cleveland? Uh, I think it'll be a bit of both. You know, I think it'll be a bit of like, uh, you know, so people will complain to each other, but when he walks out on that court, people are going to be really excited. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it is one of those things that growing up, in Cleveland sports or otherwise, you know, I had cousins who grew up in Long Island, and we just instantly assumed they were cooler than us, you know, uh-huh. because they lived in New York. They lived near New York City. And when the Yankees came to town, you would just be like, well, of course these guys are going to kill us, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I remember years ago, the dictators from New York came to Cleveland and, uh, it's a punk singer. band, right? What's that? That's an old punk band, right? Dick yeah. yeah, and uh, and uh, Wild Dick Manitoba, the singer, came on stage in the Yankees jersey and sort of like held out the logo at the crowd, like sort of taunting all these all of us Clevelanders in the audience as if we were going to be like, "Hey, no, we're better than you." And but you could feel that everyone was just like, "Yeah, you got no argument from us." Like, yeah, you're better than Cleveland. What do you? Get? Of course, you know, there is sort of, you know, I mean, not everyone thinks that way, 
but I, I think that it's pretty, you know, pretty common feeling, and it's, it's the underdog and, you know, pessimism and all that. We so, call it the Cleveland Nasty. The Cleveland Nasty? That's the, the mood? Yeah. I mean, not everyone calls it that. Maybe it's just me and my friends. But, uh, <laughs> but it's just, this, you know, it's just this darkness that uh, that permeates everything. Well, then, do you look at uh, this renewed optimism related to Cleveland sports and as a person with a, a chronic affliction of the Cleveland nasty, do you think, oh, well, enjoy it now. It's it's all going to fall apart later. Or is this, is everything going to be different? Or could everything be different? I, you know, I, I, I do like to believe that everything could be different. Um, I mean, we're already, you know, it's paradise compared to Detroit or Pittsburgh <laughs> or Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, not to take any shots. <laughs> you just took three teams. shots. Yeah. But I think I think as I was saying, a big part of it is gonna be realizing that we had the magic all along. Right. You had the power within yourself, clearly. Yeah, yeah. What it's I mean, what does Star Wars, right? What? Or isn't I don't know. Yeah, that's in Star Wars <laughs> where that, they uh, is, maybe I'm thinking Austin Powers. You know, it might have been all along. Yeah. I think I think oh, maybe yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, the we Wizard of Star Oz. Over and over, I can't give an example right. of where we learned it exactly, but I feel like <laughs> I've been learning this lesson for a while. So, but you you say we have reason for optimism. Things could get better, but what do you think's really going to happen? Are things really going to get better or not? Mm, I guess I have to believe they're going to get better because I, you know, I do love Cleveland. And my dad and my sister still live and some other relatives. So I want, I want it to be, I want it to be great. Yeah, why not? <laughs> See what happens. Right, right. Write it out. Dave Hill, uh, comedian and musician and author uh, of the book Tasteful Nudes. Dave Hill, thanks so much. Thanks, John. I don't even need to ID Home Dunk because this is a podcast. This isn't radio. You know what you're listening to. You know that I'm John Moe. We're all, we're squared away. We understand each other. I'm joined in the studio by Mike Fotis. He is a writer. He's an actor, performer. He's, you might have heard him on Wits several times. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good. So, Mike, I've asked you here today because we're going to get ready for the NFL season. And we're going to have a tournament of names. Cool. A single elimination tournament where we put the actual names of the teams, we imagine them as the literal things that they state that they are in a battle to the death against one another. Now, there are 32 teams, and uh, that means we can have a single elimination tournament and uh, and go through the rounds until we d- discover who is really the literal champion, the name champion of the NFL. But today, we're, we're just going to do the first round today. All right. This sounds important. We should do it. It's very important work. Uh, and we're joined by Peter Clowney, who's Hello. the executive producer of Wits. We had to bring in an executive, like a, a commissioner, <laughs> so to speak. Of our fi- I, I will do my league. best to exec at you. Yeah, you. exactly. Right, we'll good. grumble about about your findings. <laughs> and the way we're going to do this is uh, Mike and I have divided up the teams, and we're going to make briefcases why each of them would win one of these uh, one of these matches, and then Peter will render the verdict based on common sense and based on the arguments that we have made. All right, are we ready to go here? Yeah. Uh, now, I have four groups here of, of eight teams each. So uh, so there are one seeds, two seeds, on down to eight seeds. It's just, it's just like the final four in basketball, except it's battling to the death and it's pretend. And it's football. <laughs> All right. That sounds awesome. Yeah, That's, it's perfect. It's what should happen it's to football. It's exactly what we need. Uh, all right, so in the first uh, in the first region here, we have the number one seed Titans versus the number eight seed Browns. Mike, will you begin? Yeah, all right. So the Titans. 
Titans, I think, should win, not only because of their standing in mythology, but they used to be the Oilers. And if you think about that movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis, that was a pretty tough guy. If you imagine 11 Daniel Day-Lewis's coming at you, you're in trouble. And they're gigantic? The gigantic yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis's. Just the nose. Yeah, yeah, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. I'm arguing for the Browns. I would say the color brown is so depressing and omnipresent given uh, dirt and dead grass and poo that uh, it'll eventually conquer everything. That's all I got. I'd say that the Titans win because they contain brown. Okay. So they are large and contain multitudes. Titans win the first round. There you go. There you Onward, go. Uh, number two seed Lions versus number seven seed Ravens. Uh, I'm going to argue for the Lions. Look, the Lions are Lions. They are the kings of the jungle. Uh, the Ravens might have the advantage of, of flying around, but one swat of the, the paw and Raven goes down. Lions are much bigger. Lions win. That's true, except the Ravens are coached by Edgar Allan Poe, and he is the ability. <laughs> his his pregame speeches terrify and make you really, really sad, and that could get a Raven riled up. A sense of foreboding would be enough to <laughs> yeah. put off a lion. Is this is this, is it zombie Poe? Is it the ghost of Poe, or is it the just the under? Is it what? what I think who, it's the ghost of Poe. The ghost of like, then it's definitely the it. lions. I'm sorry, <laughs> right over them. The yeah. two seed wins. Sorry to follow the seeding. So far, favorites win. Now it gets a little more interesting. Now we get into the closer teams. Now we have the number three seed Panthers versus the number six seed Chargers. Mike? All right. Well, this is hard because a Panther isn't a Tiger. So if you think about that, Tigers are tough, but Panthers are just sort of like, hi, I'm a Panther. But maybe, maybe they're using that to their advantage because they know in the jungle that whenever they're hanging out with people, everyone's thinking, all the animals are thinking, ah, I wish I was with a tiger right now. So, so in your mind, Panthers are hanging out in the jungle with people. And saying, well, animals for the most part, maybe some people. Maybe some like, people. And what do they say again? They're like, ah, we're Panthers. That's right. Okay, yeah. very clear. All right. I think I have a chance here with the number six seed Chargers. I looked this up. It has nothing to do with electricity like <laughs> uh, like the helmets would have you believe. The Chargers are just named after people who go charging into things, like on <laughs> horseback or with bravery, just people who throw <laughs> caution to the wind and charge into things. I think if people get their, their moxie up and get worked up enough, some Chargers could take down the uh, the somewhat, as we've heard, reticent Panthers. I mean, I want to fight back, but I think you're right, honestly. Okay. I, I think the Chargers could work because there's a mob mentality, and Panthers notoriously are by themselves. Yeah, we have an upset. Point, we so. have an upset already. The number six seed takes the number three seed Panthers. Moving on. Steelers, the four seed versus Texans, the five seed. Uh, I'll argue Steelers um, because these, these all just sound like guys, just sound like people, uh, either from Texas or who work with Steelers. But the crucial difference here is girders. The Steelers would have some girders. I think they could take it to the Texans. All right. Well, Texas is huge. So I just want you to factor that part in. So if you're playing the Texans, you're playing so many more people than who would live in Pittsburgh. Mm. That's all I'm getting at there. It's a numbers game. It's like Grant. Plus, you have guns where I have girders. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah, a really I, good I point. Mean, the Texans have their own kind of steel, correct? Yeah, Texas They're, steel. Yeah, right. So we're going to go with the Texans on <laughs> okay, this. Okay, well, uh, number five t- beats a number four, so already some more upsets here. Okay, so that's it for that region. Moving on to region two, we have the Jets versus the uh who are they now the washington um, dc team right i uh Uh, i'll argue for the jets anything sucked into a jet engine will die i don't want to defend the team from washington (laughs) jets win (laughs) well good job it's a forfeit (laughs) i'll also agree as the person delivering (laughs) the verdict thank you Uh, (laughs) moving on we have the number two seed vikings versus the number seven seed 49ers mike you want to go first yeah i'll go first so vikings they're kings of the sea. They're on boats all the time. And then they did well on land. So they're they're essentially amphibians. And so are, just think are that Vikings part even through. a real thing? Yeah, yes, the Vikings amphibians. are a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like frogs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. They're totally real things. They're tough. They have helmets with horns on them. They wear they don't even wear fur. They wear animals. They just wear the <laughs> animals. The animals themselves. themselves. Yeah. Moving. So Okay, well, it's it's tough. I mean, that's why they're a number two seed, and the 49ers are a seven seed. These are just prospectors. These are people looking for gold in the West. Uh, they have pickaxes and really bad judgment. And so probably drunk. 
and they're probably drunk, so it, there is just sort of that chaotic fighting quality to them, and the sharp pickaxe, and the you know my the rest of my life means nothing anymore quality that might give them a chance against the Vikings. Uh, we got the Vikings. Let's move. Uh, okay, Vikings. Yeah, all right. Sorry. Bengals, the third seed versus the number six seed Falcons. Bengals or Tigers, they'll swat Falcons out of the air. We've we've already established this with Lions versus Ravens. Uh, Falcons, a lot of people don't know this, and that's okay that you don't, but they could fire their talons. They're like little... You like eject them. Yeah, just fire them at people whenever they want. I'm not saying they're yeah. accurate. Will that take down a Tiger? Do they lose the foot if like a bee? A, like would lose a yeah. stinger? So they have to decide whether they really want to do so it. So it's a because, hobbled Falcon yeah. after the ejection moment. So if a Falcon decides to attack by releasing its talon... It's saying, I'm giving up on life to win this battle. And, and that, that's more commitment, really. Honestly, it should at least get them out of the first round. Tiger. <laughs> I'm going with Falcons, man. Yay! Oh, wow. They, you can get a tiger in the eyeball and it's a over. A big upset. A big upset. Yeah. Okay, the number four seed Packers versus the number five seed <sighs> Eagles. Uh, anybody who packs meat is a pretty strong, uh, muscular kind of person, man or woman, if you're packing meat. That's that's hard work. Uh, eagles, uh, I know the bald eagles are national bird, but they're they're not the smartest. And I've seen crows. <laughs> I've seen a gang of crows chase off an eagle before. I don't think the eagles. I think the eagles are ranked too high. If anything, Packers beat the eagles. All right. Well, I'm, I'm I'm tempted to go along with this, except for the fact that Amigo. Amigos. Amigos. Eric, well, I was going to say, America and Eagles is Amigos. Amigos. And that's oh, amazing. Yeah. That um, <laughs> also, if you keep your team named the Eagles despite the band, that yeah. shows a lot of fortitude and courage. We agree that Meatpackers <laughs> could beat up Glenn Fry and Don. Oh, Harris. absolutely. <laughs> okay, thank that, you. That's not even an argument. Thank you. I, it's clearly the Packers. Packers. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm from Philly. I want to be, uh, you know, the Eagles are my <laughs> you team. you got to recognize reality. Yeah. I've got the Seahawks coming up here, that's and, I, right. and I don't like their chances. All right, moving on to the next region. We have the number one seed. I think this is might be the number one overall seed in the tournament, the Giants. <laughs> Versus the Cardinals. Can you describe the Giants, their stature? Uh, How big a giant are we talking about? I, I think we're the giant, just enormous. Like beanstalk uh, giant? Golden uh, goose stealing. Right. Top of the clouds sitting on beanstalk atop giants. They're big. They're big. They're big really big. They're the number one seed versus the number eight seed Cardinals. Well, how big are the Cardinals? That's are we talking birds question. or religious order? <laughs> no, we're talking birds. Uh, so I'm, I've been charged with arguing for the Cardinals. Uh, really, unless a giant can be pecked to death. So I'm just going to pause it because everyone deserves representation in this legal system. Uh, I'm going to posit that enough cardinals pecking at enough giants could lead to some infections. Cardinals are filthy. They could even get in there. Filthy. It's a giant. Yeah, and it'll, mm. it'll corrode. It'll lead to a larger infection and uh, lacking antibiotics, as I think giants do. <laughs> cardinals win. Okay, well, I'm going to throw this out there. The giants that I would throw at the Cardinals are very tall. Yeah. So they're... The so bird-stomping abilities. Yeah, well, they're bird-stomping abilities and also the parts that could get pecked and cause a lot of trouble, like giant jugulars. They're way up in the air. <laughs> and I think a Cardinal going up that high is going to lose oxygen. And, like, actually faint. Yeah. I, I see a, a, one of these Cardinals, like, trying to peck the juggler and then actually drowning in the flow of blood off mm. the minute, which would be mm. incredible That's to see. That's a great point. Point but for The giants me. definitely, yes, yeah. you got it. Giants, <laughs> giants take the round. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, the number two seed Raiders versus the number seven seed Bills. And this is a tricky matchup because there isn't a, a firm definition of what the Bills are. So, Mike, you're going to need to provide that. Mm. I'll go first. I think the Raiders, uh, they, are, they are pirates. They have swords. Uh, they're mean. They're nasty. They're crafty. They're brave. Uh, I think the Raiders can beat just about anything named a Bill. Um, well, this is a tough one for me because these bills are made up of junior high substitute teacher uh, teachers for uh, music classes. So they're just, you know, they're, they're druggy musicians, you're saying. Yeah, well, they, you know, they, they had bands. They did well. But, <laughs> and they're just named Bill? They're yeah, just named Bill, you know. Yeah. And they're fine, but they don't even want to be called William. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> Aren't the Buffalo Bills... It's Buffalo Bill, right? It's, it's Buffalo Bill Cody. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, moldering you know, corpse of an ancient guns. showman. I wish yeah. I had gone with that route, but <laughs> I went with junior high substitute <laughs> teachers who have given so up. So, which on is life. it? Who are we fighting? Because I think Buffalo Bill has a greater chance. He's dead. He's yeah, he's dead, dead for a long time. Right, definitely Bills. the Raiders. 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 Hey, okay. Okay. Moving on. We, we have the number three seed Jaguars. 
uh, or as most people in the media pronounce them, Jaguars <laughs> versus the Rams. Um, it's a three versus a six, so it is somewhat close. Jaguars are carnivorous. They have claws uh, that can overcome the uh, the headbutting of the Rams. You Jaguars. Don't believe that, do you? Let's hear about the Rams. All right. Well, the Rams. They used to, when they were growing up. They lived in Saint. <laughs> Where did they live? What? <laughs> Wait. No, they didn't. Okay. So never mind. I'm going to Devereux. Yeah. Uh, they had the, traumatic childhoods. You're saying? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So the Rams, guys. This is how they fight. Uh-oh. They don't punch. They don't punch. They don't bite. They literally ram their heads. Right. They were trained on a very basic level that when stuff gets tough, you hit it with your head. You hit it with your head. Just put your head down and go. Do they have to be? Tra- I think this is what the animal does, right? Yeah. Rams. Rams. And- <laughs> Rams beat the jaguars despite <laughs> yeah. the claws. They're stronger. Uh, and then uh, finally, in this region, we have the Patriots versus the Broncos. Now, uh, horses are tough, but I think people filled with uh, fervor of nationalism uh, and some muskets and a warning, a Paul Revere-based warning system can shoot some horses, even if firing those shots takes a long time. All right. Well, a lot of people don't know that Broncos had their own version of Paul Revere. Did they? Yeah, a horse version. A horse, horse on a version horse? of Paul Revere. Because yeah. they've they've had to deal with lots of revolutions, you guys. Yeah. You know, all the pretty horses. <laughs> so uh, they're not all pretty because of the battles they've been in. Is what I'm getting at. I'm getting there. Nice Broncos. Cormac McCarthy reference, public radio. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What's the Molly Ringwald movie about? Go ahead. So you think the Broncos defeat the Patriots? The how Bronco now? Club. I think the Broncos defeat the Patriots by convincing the Patriots that they need the Broncos to ride on them. Oh, so the Patriots right. need to be on the Broncos. Definitely. I was okay. going to give it to Broncos, but that's such a bad argument. Yeah. Okay. Of the Patriots. All right. Yeah. Okay. right. Convincing. We move to our final region, gentlemen. Uh, the number one seed Bears take on the number eight seed Saints. It's a mauling. <laughs> It it might be, except if what value is there in being a saint if you can't use those powers against it's a true. bear? Or if you can't be martyred, I suppose. Right, exactly. The bears take it. I mean, the bears enjoy yeah. martyring. Yeah. All, right. Uh, all right, now we have the number two Cowboys versus the number seven Seahawks. God, the Seahawks are my team, uh, so I need to I need to vouch for them here. But, uh, yeah, Seahawks taking on the Cowboys. I can see maybe some some soaring around, grasping at hats. Maybe one exceptionally clever Seahawk who is lured. I mean, we have to lure the Cowboys near the shore, of course. uh, Can can grab a six-shooter from one of the Cowboys, and maybe we get lucky? Well, normally the thing is, like, Cowboys are terrified of water, and people don't realize it's that. True. But this is going to work to their advantage because they're going to refuse to come to the to coast at all. So, And then, you know, Seahawks are eventually going to want to fight, but they're going to fly into land. They're going to get real thirsty because that's what happens with Seahawks. <laughs> and they, the Seahawks do have Richard Sherman, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Who, Who is, comes on to actual football for a minute? <laughs> he, would, he would be a list. He would beat Richard up the Cowboys. Sherman would be at every an ocean-going bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do the, just one question. Do the Seahawks? have ejecting claws, talons as well? No. 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 I have to go with Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. No, I was Cowboys. <laughs> that was your side. Yeah, that was yours. All right. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of battles of the sea, we have the number three seed Buccaneers versus the number six seed Dolphins. I recently learned that Buccaneers are different than Pirates because Buccaneers will often be on the shore and will just go out and intercept boats. And so, like, if there's an island off the coast and a boat goes between the island and the mainland, that's when the buccaneers jump off the island in their little tiny boats, little paddle boats, and go out there and and intercept it. I think they have an understanding of the sea. I think they have some sharp tools. I think uh, I think they can kill dolphins. Of all creatures. Yeah, yeah. of all creatures. The gentle, uh, friendly men of the Ocean. Yes. The gentle, friendly men of the ocean. <laughs> dolphins uh, it's are a universally men, recognized term for dolphins. <laughs> well, that's not entirely. I mean, well, okay, so buccaneers have to get in the water and sail, and that's great. But dolphins live in the water, you guys. Little known fact. Yeah, little known fact. They live in the water. They have laboratories and <laughs> underwater cities. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, all. yes. You know, nobody, <laughs> nobody goes on Wikipedia. And it's just like. <laughs> It's there. So if the if the Buccaneers go into the water, the Dolphins are going to have to protect their own. That's all I'm saying. Quick fact. And they do I read release this very friends. morning. Scientists have developed a way to decode the high frequencies we can't hear from Dolphins, and they're decoding speech. No crap. 
the word they, did, they, they decoded, guess what? Seaweed. Oh. <laughs> that dolphin's talking about seaweed. So, You're welcome. They're so boring. Um, <laughs> I actually think dolphins, they don't they bam, ram their heads into things yeah. to kill them? They're essentially right. That wasn't part of the, of the argument, so, but I, I'm going to go with dolphins. All right. The, the, so far, the sixth seed has beaten the three seed in every region. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like the five versus 12 of the uh, <laughs> NCAA tournament. Of the NCAA yeah. tournament. It's amazing how that keeps happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's objective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then finally, our final match of the day, gentlemen, uh, pits the number four seed Chiefs versus the number five seed Colts. Mm. All right. Well, a Chief is pretty much at the top. You know what I'm saying? Like my Chief issue, my Chief this, my Chief this or that. Like that's a big thing. That's what you go after. So you're not going for the Native American thing. You're just going (laughs) for abstract notion. I go for the abstract notion. Okay. Because it makes the ultimate. Uh, And Colts (laughs) are baby horses they're baby horses like micro horses they're young horses they're young horses but they can kick and they uh i think you know if you've ever been kicked by a horse it's a pretty uh it's a pretty compelling argument in any kind of battle so that's why i advocate and because i've been assigned it that's why i I advocate (laughs) colts over chiefs would you say that being kicked by a colt is your chief concern You know, you had you had to do basically nothing and win with the Chiefs, and the Colts win because your argument was so <laughs> crappy. <laughs> you All went right. for platonic ideals. <laughs> so, <laughs> when next we convene for the next round, gentlemen, we will see the Titans take on the Texans, the Lions against the Chargers. That's going to be good. The mm. Jets versus the Eagles. <laughs> Same thing there. Vikings-Falcons. We'll have the Giants going against the Patriots. The Raiders against the Rams. I'm looking forward to that one. We'll have the Bears versus the Colts. <laughs> the Cinderella story might end there for the poor Colts. And the Cowboys. And the Cowboys. We'll see if they can finally get in the water because they'll be taking on the Dolphins <laughs> next time out. Mike Fotis and Peter Clowney, we're doing God's work here. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. And that's home dunk for this week. Before we go, Super Rugby Grand Final this weekend in Sydney. The Waratahs of New South Wales going to have their hands full against the Crusaders from Christchurch. Israel Fuatu and Kurtley Beal will need to be at the top of their game against the Crusaders. Keep in mind, the Crusaders have won the last 11 matches between those teams. Super Rugby Grand Final. We get production help from Corey Schreppel. We get production help from Steve Nelson, from Peter Clowney. Our theme song for Home Dunk is composed and performed by Open Mike Eagle. Be sure to check out his Secret Skin podcast thing. Be sure to check out his program right here on the Infinite Guest Network. I'm John Moe. Bye now. Home Dunk is part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. You should check out some of the other shows on this uh, on this network, like A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment with Sherman Alexie and Jess Walter, or Big Appetites with Patty Hinnich and Sally Swift. A lot of good stuff going on. Search for Infinite Guest on the Google machine or go to infiniteguest.org. For information about other things, go to other places on the Internet.